welcome to another Scots Way podcast. And I'm joined today by poet and writer Andreas Alfarica to talk about his latest collection of poetry, At Least This I Know, which is published by 404 Inc. Hello, Andreas. Hello, Alistair. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. So how do you think about your collection? You know, how do you describe it to people when they ask? Um, I like to think of it as a collection that follows someone's journey towards belonging and kind of a self-realization that starts in childhood and takes the reader on a journey um, into the poet's uh, early 30s. And so for me, it really is an examination of all the different ways we can belong in the world. So whether that is belonging to a sort of immediate community um, say the neighborhood you live in or what it is it to belong to a country. And then I think a lot of the poet, what my poems are doing is sort of interrogating this idea of the diaspora. So what is it to belong to this wider sort of global community that shares a history of transmigration and colonialism and trying to find rootedness, especially if you've grown up like me constantly sort of moving around the world, um, how then do you sort of fix your identity? And when you have sort of a racialized body or you inhabit a racialized body that can often be read as other, then what does it mean to sort of land in your thirties in a sense of rootedness? And I like to think by the collections and I, the speaker of the poems has sort of resolved it for himself and I always say it's very temporal. I say the place that I end in the collection as my version of understanding might very well change five or 10 years down the line. And I hope it does, because I do believe that as humans, we're always sort of evolving how we feel in relation to another or to a community or to a country. Um, but yes, I like to think of it as a journey towards the self. And I mean, that really does run through it right from the, the very beginning. You have a kind of opening uh, declaration where it is, let me just think, for those who have ever questioned if you belong, these poems are for you. And that kind mm -hmm. of desire um, uh, it does run through it. You also have the opening um, poem, which kind of stands apart. It's almost like a, yeah. a, an introduction, which there seems like there's a story behind that. Is, is there? Yes, yes. It's a very chaotic comedic, satirical, angry poem. I think it holds space for all of those emotions. And the title of it comes from the day that I landed in Ireland. So I, um, I, I met my husband many, many years ago when we were both uh, doing our postgrad in London. And then when my visa ran up, uh, six months into our relationship, when I was done with that degree, I had to return to the US and then we embarked on a, a quite a few years of, of having a very long distance relationship uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. And when we got married, uh, in order to reunite, we had to move to Ireland because he was in the middle of his PhD and didn't meet the financial threshold to bring me in uh, through the UK on a spousal visa. So the Poem is an interrogation of sort of the hostile environment within the UK and how difficult it is for um, immigrants to come into the country. 
And also, I think it's my way of sort of setting out for the reader from the get-go. This is what this collection is about. It is, a, it's a, there's a very urgent need to find belonging. And throughout the poem, you know, the speaker is just naming all of these sort of disparate groups that he wants to lay claim to, or not even necessarily wants to lay claim to. It's almost like throwing the net wide and just saying, if one of you claims me, then that's enough to get us going. Um, and yeah, so I think for, for me, it was a way of writing about that experience that I'm still going through of navigating the immigration system uh, in the UK and, and within the EU and, and trying to sort of do it in a way that allows me again, yeah, to interrogate the ludicrousness of, of what it is to try to enter a country and, and, and to gain citizenship or, or a, uh, an immigration status that allows one to live in a country for a long period of time, but also to do it in a way that was irreverent. You know, I could have written that poem in a more serious, for lack of a better phrase, poetic way, yeah. um, but I didn't want to do that because I think sometimes, especially when a writer sits within a margin or is marginalized in any way, you know, that you're often tasked with bringing up that trauma. So I wanted to do it in a way that was just, that could be completely um, bonkers. And I, and I like that you picked up on its placement. And I think for me to keep that poem, and it was something I really worked with my editor, Rachel Plummer on, that we had to keep it out with the body of the rest of the collection. Um, and it's something that I've seen other poets do. And I think so it was sort of in homage to, to that formatting of a collection to sort of say, why not in poetry? Can't you have a prologue? Because we often do this in novels um, and we get to set the scene and, and a novelist is allowed to do that. Why isn't a poet? Um, and so I like that because then I think as you move then through the collection and you start into the childhood of the speaker who is based on me, and then the first poem photograph is a very calm sort of nostalgic poem after that very chaotic start. Yeah, it's like almost like um, sets the scene in a film before you go back to find out what the film yeah. does. And as you say, it's got so many aspects to it. There's a kind of fear, there's frustration, there is, um, concern and and there is humor as well you know you've you you list you know many groups but at the very end of that section where you that please i belong exclamation mark you know seems to sum up that and then goes on to kind of feed into what comes next as well yeah definitely yeah i think it was a way um just in that kind of almost like word vomit that the speaker has in that poem to then sort of um, allude to sort of all of the themes and motifs that I wanted to then go on and discuss. Because I think, again, this collection, I tried to have a very intersectional approach. You know, I'm not just an immigrant. I'm not just a person of color whose family originally comes from, you know, the global South. I'm also uh, a person that identifies within the LGBTQ community. I am a cisgender man trying to work through masculinity in the 21st century and what does that mean to be a man? Um, and, you know, I am, I, I am a son, I'm a grandson, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a friend. And there were all of these other things that, you know, I could kind of uh, 
allude to in different sort of ways, whether through pop culture references or through sort of identity markers. And I like that because then for me, it was, it's almost like little Easter eggs that hopefully then the reader will, as they move through the collection can say, okay, you know, that was a chaotic poem, but now that I look back, Andres from the beginning was telling us what he was going to do. Uh, Easter eggs is a lovely way of putting it. That's exactly <laughs> what happens. You, there's things in there that you think you won't then pick on subsequently, but you do. And then, as you say, you move into, it's like jumping back to the very beginning and you've got photograph and thinking about your mother and your father. Mm -hmm. um, so the, did you know from the beginning that this was going to be the, the speaker, as you say, story running through with a beginning, almost a beginning, middle and end? Yeah, it's funny. I knew that I wanted to do that. But what's been really interesting is I didn't realize, or I can't say I didn't realize, I wasn't conscious of the fact that I was telling my own story. And that may sound really weird, but it's only been in the past few months seeing um, sort of bookshops get ready to, to uh stock the book and sell it and the way it's been categorized like first and foremost it comes under poetry but I've also seen sort of bookshops uh, label it as memoir and speaking through sort of all the wonderful people who have invited me into spaces to talk about it or interview me have picked up on the fact that really it is my story um, and yeah it's been sort of a funny you know months down uh, uh, after the fact that you know submitting it to four of her ink for the final typeset is it really now just resonating to me oh i've almost written a memoir but in the poetic form um and i do like that i like that just it's in how my mind works of continuously wanting to try to find home you know i grew up in a very transitory way my father uh through his job we moved around quite a lot and not just that, it sort of harkens back to sort of my origins, you know, my grandparents, all four of them came from Mexico in the early 1960s to the US. And then my parents, um, they had my brother quite young, and then they had me and my sister very young, you know, compared to like nowadays, where we're having children a lot later, and we're, we're you know, we feel, especially my generation, sort of entitled to go and live our lives, you know. Yeah. Um, by my age, my mom had, um, how old am I? She had a 14-year-old a, a son, you know? And so anyway, they left the US for my dad's job in their very early 20s. So for me, like working through this idea of mapping my family origin, you know, being told you're from Mexico originally, but then you're American, but me being an American who spent very little time in America, actually, but when you hear me, like I have such a discernible American accent, it's nice to have this collection as my debut and to say, I have in a way archived myself. And as I continue to work through these understandings of what does it mean to be me? How do I look retrospectively up, upon these very pivotal moments that, I have then, like you said, created a sort of beginning, middle and end. And I appreciate that. But like I said, it's only been in recent months that it's sort of dawned on me. Oh, Andres, you have written a poetic memoir, even though you didn't really intentionally set out to do that. What you were trying to do was just share 
your very um, specific view of the world in hopes, like, you know, my dedication at the beginning, that those who sort of feel lost in any way, who felt pushed to the margins in any way, can at least find one poem or even one line within a poem that sort of resonates with them. And then they can start on their own journey of sort of mapping, how have I come to know who I am at this point in my life? And is that why you chose, I mean, the, the collection is named after one of the poems, at least, yes. like, well, at least this I know. And that was something that struck me. It was like, is that, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking to find out as much as I can about myself. And at least that's what I will know by the end of this collection is what I've discovered about myself. There are certain things that I can look in others and look in other places and, and other people, which is almost impossible to know, but I can find out how I feel about these things. Definitely. And I think the I've been really reflecting on the title. And I think it's almost, you know, the first three words are like a qualifier because, you know, I'm stating to the reader, to the world more widely of what I know, but I'm really trying to sort of couch it within this understanding. It is only coming from my point of view. You know, I do not claim to have all the answers. I won't fix things like racism or the hostile environment in the UK, but in, it's in the hopes that sort of laying claim to all of these experiences that have been foundational to, to building my understanding of the world um, that I can lay claim. And I think, so, you know, another sort of through line of the collection is to fight all these different forms of oppression, whether it's xenophobia or homophobia or racism. And to finally feel at 32 that I can sort of loudly and proudly say, this is what I know of the world, or at least this is what I know of the world, and I'm going to share it because younger me would have been too afraid to sort of pipe up and stand up for himself. And so it's a declarative title, but I also like that the beginning of it allows it to be cautious and timid and I do think you know for as many loud and angry poems that there are in the collection I also think there are a lot of quiet very contemplative poems and I like that it can oscillate then between both of those spaces. Do you think that uh, moving towards a greater sense of belonging increases the, I suppose courage, is that the right word? The kind of strength to write these poems that you say maybe when you were younger, you wouldn't have. Is it more, oh, than, definitely. Is it more than just getting older? It's also having a greater sense of, you know, kind of who you are. Yes, and definitely community. You know, so many of these poems came out of just brilliant workshops and, uh, and spaces of community that I was able to participate with through the Scottish uh, uh, BIPOC Writers Network and, and specifically the Writers of Color group that's led by the Edinburgh mapper Hannah Lavery, who's an amazing mentor and an amazing friend and a brilliant, brilliant writer. Yeah. Uh, and beyond that, an amazing facilitator in how she creates these spaces to allow many of us to work through these very complex ideas that can sometimes open up wounds for us. Um, and I think you know, I've been part of that community now for three years and 
it really has a lot of these poems have come out of those spaces of, of feeling like I could say something or or not even feeling I could, but being asked someone just saying, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm going to give you a prompt that's going to work through these things. Tell me your story. And I think that has that sense of community has really made me a better poet, because I think if I was living in isolation from that, I don't think I would have felt um, entitled even to sort of share my story. And, and, you know, this gets brought up a lot with ideas of representation within literature and within the literary industry. And so I think to have a mentor like Hannah, who so brilliantly is coming into her own, you know, in the wider community within Scotland is finally getting, I think her, her, her flowers yeah. um, has just been really brilliant. And, and, and yes, yeah, so as much of it is as age, I think it's when you find the right community, the right spaces, however it is, you know, uh, whatever that might mean to you individually, I think that can be very encouraging because you learn to blossom within others, um, not just with yourself. It's interesting as well, that idea of belonging artistically to, you mm -hmm. know, meeting fellow uh, people who might, um, their stories will be different to yours, but you give each other that space to tell these stories, whatever they may be. Definitely. Yes, because of course, you know, and, and one of my poems towards the end, Ceremony, um, uh, is about that, is about sort of honoring and, and, and thanking that community, but also very much acknowledging we are part of different diasporas where we come from different origins, you know, and the line is we are not of one single uh, blend nor one single origin. Um, and yes, so, you know, I think it's, it's lovely to relish that space and, and when other poets or, or writers share pieces in, in those spaces, there will be moments where I'm like, oh, I get that. I get what it's like maybe to have a, a grandparent who speaks a mother tongue that you're not confident in. And what does that then feel like that, you know, you feel this deep love and reverence for this person, but you can't fully articulate yourself. Mm -hmm. But then there will be different things that I don't know you know, um, I, 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 you know, what is it like to be, um, uh, to belong sort of to the Islamic faith in a post 9-11 world? I can't speak to those things, but there are common, you know, triggering memories of, of, of racism or being othered. And, and then I think it's just allowing each other to have your own spaces or share your own traditions or communities. And, and I think, we do get to find that common ground and then we get to work through those poems and then share more widely. And sometimes, you know, you'll, you, you'll decide that this poem is only for a certain time and place. And then other times you're like, you, you know, I have felt, okay, ready to put this into a collection and, and move beyond my most immediate communities in hopes that it will either resonate or if not resonate, teach someone something. Like, what is it to have that experience? What is it like to be on a bus and someone say a homophobic slur to you. And if you don't identify in the LGBT community, you know, the other part of that poem specifically that I'm referencing is the idea then of the silences. So if, you, if in any way you are in a moment where you have a privilege that you could then um, help someone out on, you know, so the collection isn't just working specifically for 
you know, people of color or immigrants or queer people, you know. So even though these, a lot of these poems came out of spaces that were sort of not necessarily exclusive, but created to foster that sense of communion, my hope then is that these poems have uh, a longer shelf life, if you will, and, and, and will come into the hands of different people at any one time. I think going back to the idea that it's a, a kind of poetic memoir, as with anyone's life told, there'll be points of recognition and there'll be points of difference or, uh, and that's that's with everyone's life. And that's what's lovely mm -hmm. about reading it in that way. But it's also thematic. I mean, you've got different sections as well, yes. you know, that break down. So as well as it's kind of, you can read it in a few different types of ways. How did you decide, I mean, you mentioned your editor earlier, how did you decide which poems went where? Was that a kind of difficult part of it or was it quite straightforward? Some poems were more straightforward than the others. Um, I think what helped was I, uh, I originally trained as a playwright and when I used to do uh, uh, work within the, the theatrical world, the plays that I wrote uh, were very episodic. I was not very much a fan of like the traditional three act structure, um, the sort of uh, playwrights that really inspired me were writers like Tony Kushner or Anna Devere Smith, one playwrights who really played with sort of time and, and form and so wrote very, write very episodically, little vignettes that of course build up to what will be sort of that traditional three act structure, but you know, aren't writing necessarily in the same way that maybe Shakespeare did. And so what I learned through my previous craft of being a playwright is when you're writing these little bitty pieces that you're trying to then build a whole narrative out, you have to really get sort of physical. So it was really about sort of putting all of the poems on the floor and thinking, this is what I want the through line to be. This is the narrative I want to build. So now I have to think about actually in the collection, in the most physical form, how are these poems speaking to each other? So it was a lot of work. It was working with Rachel, who is an amazing, amazing editor. And then a really brilliant uh, poetic friend of mine, who's a very dear pal, Nadine Aisha Jassat, um, gave me heaps of advice. Uh, uh, because in her debut collection, she tried to do a very similar thing of weave a narrative journey throughout. Um, so yeah, there were some poems where I went back and forth where I'm like, it's, it's very liminal. It's on that threshold that it could be in this section or that section. So I need to really think then about what I want to do um, with it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's a whole section sort of about love poems that are written about my husband. So that was very easy. You know, it was like, okay, put them all together. Um, there were, I think for some of the poems that were trickier were when there's a section that kind of implicitly and at times explicitly deals with loss and death. And I think some of those poems could have gone into the bits that were about childhood, like where I, where I begin. Um, and so I, yeah, I would say for those, I went back and forth, but ultimately felt like um, I wanted them to live in that space of what I have lost, because even if they don't explicitly deal with death, you know, at some point, the person who that 
was written about has passed on. So I wanted to sort of honor it and honor them in that way. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it, it was a very interesting exercise of how do you take, you know, a collection of poems when you're not re writing explicitly about one theme, you're trying to tackle lots of concepts of identity. How do you then frame them? And I think for me, it helped to think of it going chronologically and then to think how I wanted to section those poems. And the section, uh, what I have given is perhaps the most sensuous uh, to, yeah. to read. And uh, the final poem in it is Edwin, well, it's your, how would you say, interpretation homage to yes. Edwin Strawberries, which is one of my favorite poems, I have to say, and it's a lovely kind of take on it. So was, was Morgan an inspiration? Oh, hugely in a lot of the poems. So I was very fortunate uh, in 2020 to be awarded a second life grant through the Edward Morgan Trust uh, during his centenary year. Um, and I had been a fan of Morgan uh, for a few years. I, I often say this, especially within sort of Scottish literary spaces that I find it hugely um, a, a point of ire for myself that Morgan was never taught when I was growing up going through the American education system or when I did my undergrad in the US, I was an English uh, literature my, or major. Um, and I never came across Morgan's work. It wasn't until um, the per first person who probably introduced me to Morgan was my husband and it would have been Strawberry. Okay. Um, so when I was awarded the grant, um, my proposal was I wanted to write specifically queer love poems in honor of, uh, of, of Morgan's uh, canon. A and also I then wanted to turn uh, uh, three of those poems because I wrote tons during this period, but I selected three that I wanted to then create uh, film poems because Morgan was such a great visual collage artist yeah. that um, uh, many people might not have known about, but it was something that really drew me into uh, this project specifically. I, I love just how, um, as a queer person, I can look at those collages and see the sensuous nature. Like there's a lot of sort of, um, sort of weird uh, visceral images, you know, that very much speak to like his poems where he's writing about aliens or Nessie, but you know, the way he, take sort of like a Roman statue and of a male torso and cuts it up. There's something very sensuous and longing about it. And so the poems that I uh, ended up writing during uh, that, um, that project, three of them, Amor, Benihi and Neroli Kiss, uh, were the ones that I ended up doing the film poems. But then after the project ended, I, I just, I was infatuated with Morgan. I have to describe it as, I think I was, in, I am in love with Edwin Morgan. And I think, you know, had our timelines crossed, who knows uh, what would have happened. But through his poetry, I just, there's such beauty. And so I wanted to include a very specific poem dedicated to him, because although I wrote those three poems that are also in the collection as part of my work with the Edwin Morgan Trust, I wanted a poem that felt very specific to Morgan himself. And, and the way to do that for me felt like, why not visit the, one of the poems of his that I love the most and write my own take 
you know, sort of and color it in my my cultural heritage. And so that's where Fresas came about. Um, and yes, it is. It's a very sensuous poem. It's a lot shorter than Morgan's Strawberries, but I think it really homes in on a lot of the lovely elements of his poem um, that do feel very sensuous and carnal. And then the ending where he describes sort of uh, the rain washing the plates and, and to talk about the storm. Um, but yes, I think Morgan, for me, where I'm at, at in my career now has really been such an influence. And he is a poet that I mention all the time when people talk about who are sort of my foundational poets. I think him being a queer poet um, specifically, I think in this time that he had to write in and how he had to almost code himself mm -hmm. and how he did it so eloquently. And it's almost like, I feel um, like a treasure map. And for the right reader, you can read yourself back to him. And I know, I, I, I may not know exactly who he's talking about, and I would never say I can speak for him in that way, but I feel the, those emotions, that desire, that way of articulating love or longing feel very resonant to me these, this many years on from when he would have originally written those poems. It's interesting, and I'm not just saying this because we were talking, but when I started reading the collection, I was thinking there is a sense of Morgan in a lot of these, in the sensuousness, the, the, the description, the, um, the use of colour, which we might come on to, you know, the, the, it, the vibrancy, I guess, is what I'm getting to. And, mm. um, and then you come across Fresas and you go, yeah. oh, right. <laughs> it just suddenly, it just clicked. You mentioned the three poems um, that you mm -hmm. wrote for the Morgan Centenary. Could you read us one of those, uh, if you please? Yes, yes. I, um, I will read Neroli Kiss um, because it is, yeah, it's one, of, I think to me, someone else, I can't say I did it intentionally, but um, a few weeks ago, I met with someone who told me that that poem reminded um, them of Morgan's poem of, of discussing, uh, I think, I believe it's East Timur. And I was reading it and the way he describes going along a body of water. And I can't say that I was brilliant enough to sort of speak in conversation with that, but it has become a poem that I think I would have only written by going deep into Morgan's archive. So this is Neurolicus. They say iron girders dyed the river orange, the one we sailed down that Indian summer. My hand scooped up clementine water only to find it was me who was colored that apricot pink. But still, I supped the mystic drink. While sailing down the river, my mind went with the currents, and I turned to you full of wonder, sunstroke, open mouth to ask. Do you ever stop to think how water might have linked our dual bodies, coral springs, Venetian seas, salmon riverbeds, the Ganges, Rio Grande, the Don, or D, or somewhere in between? My mind poured out like a broken dam overflowing on to our afternoon. 
Do you ever dream about a life in which we never met or wonder what would be had I not traversed the sea? I hope you never asked these questions. But you smiled and continued rowing towards something I did not know. I looked to the city's riverbank, watching couples promenade arm in arm and thought of that day. Your lilted tongue, each turn of phrase, capturing my attention along the Thames. On the Clyde, I cup my hands in holy consecration, offering you a drink. You turned to me, mischievous, and said, They say iron girders once dyed the river orange, but I understood it to be myth. Still, when I kissed your lips, a rusty neroli aftertaste lingered on my tongue. And in your eyes, I realized it was the sun that was our constant. The very thing we both orbited all those years until our final first kiss. There was a copper memory I left behind as we continued sailing down the Clyde. Perhaps I'll return to it in the future and find the blood orange taste awaiting me. From the banks, I might see two lovers sailing down the tangerine stream. And when I do, I'll wash in its blessed blossom lock and think of you. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. And <laughs> that, 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 uh, the point I was going to make about colour is definitely in that poem, but colour kind of runs throughout the collection and uh, it's almost in some ways a picture book because you make these so clear you know you, you color in the images for us is that something that is important to your work yes i would say you know i think it really is um just a reflection of my interest i was all i've always been interested in art and visual art and design um i was quite a big uh painter when i was in high school I did every art class that my high school put on. My art teachers were sick of me by the end. I'm sure they were happy I graduated uh, before I asked them to create some new module just so I could spend more time in the art room. And then, yeah, I think for me, you know, my family uh, originally hail from Mexico in my upbringing, being both Mexican and American, very specific to sort of my, uh, Latino community, this idea of color and warmth and a lot of, you know, of the history of, of, of Latin America. Um, and so for me, you know, to write of the world, how I see the world, where my emotions rise and fall is so tied to color. Um, you know, even in frame, you can see my bright blue walls and my orange ochre uh, top. Um, but yeah, I think for me as a poet, I'm very interested in color. I think it is one of the most evocative um, of the senses visually. Uh, and, and I think will resonate, you know, with people. I think, you know, when you think about nature and it's just so brilliant that, you know, these colors that we manufacture are based on real things. I still, when I see the color like a violet out in the world. I'm always impressed. How did nature create that kind of deep purpley blue that we as humans just struggle to create ourselves? Um, and yeah, I think for me, it's very much, a, it helps with my memory of having written the poems, like a time and place to remember these very visceral colors. Um, you know, the poem Bottled Blue that is towards the beginning of my collection was a poem that I wrote here in Scotland. 
on a very bright spring uh, afternoon looking up at the sky. And I was just enamored with the shade of blue of the sky and had this kind of realization of like, no matter where I've been in the world, the sky is always there. Like that's just how sort of at the atmosphere works. But that in a very sort of poetic, um, spiritual sense that I found that very profound that this blue has always been there with me and what would it be if I were able to bottle that blue and on a terribly dreak day give it to someone who just needs a reminder that there is beauty in the world that there will be sunshine again you know that we will get through a dark gray winter and we'll have spring and summer so I think for me color is just such an important part of my poetic practice. And, you know, I've, I've been reading the collection over the, the last few days, which have been grey and dreek, as you say, yeah. it really has, it really kind of lifts your spirits in that mm. sense, in all sorts of senses. Now, I believe that you're writing a, a novel at the moment, or maybe have written a novel, uh, is that right? Yes, so I have, I am uh, deep in redrafting a novel. I was very lucky that sort of in what was already an amazing year last year of getting my collection, uh, my publishing deal and working through the summer with uh, Rachel Plummer, my amazing editor, um, that somehow I also found time during like the first few lockdowns to uh, finish a novel manuscript. And, uh, you know, again, I was quite fortunate to be shortlisted uh, for some brilliant uh, uh, awards regarding that manuscript. Um, and right now, yep, I'm working on sort of getting it ship shape ready to, to start sending it out to agents. It's a collection, or not a collection, uh, it is a, a novel that very much plays with similar themes of what I'm doing in the collection. Um, the character, Daniel, he is just finished, uh, or he's coming back to uh, second year of university after a summer of um, of incredible loss where uh, one of his best friends who also happens to be sort of the love of his life uh, uh, has passed away. And so he's trying to really make sense of how, how does one deal with loss at such a young age um, and, and has this intense urgency where he goes on this mission that, uh, to write down their entire story because he, he's very fearful that now that Sam, his friend who's, who's no longer with him, has passed away, that their, their, their sort of love, their intimacy was just so concentrated between the both of them that he's afraid that if he doesn't start writing down the story, he will forget it. And without Sam there anymore to remind him of what happened during this very formative first year of university, that it will be lost to time. And I think it's I'd like to think of it as like, it's the next step of where I want to go as a writer of sort of continuing to, to hold space for both love and loss. And I think it's a, a lot of what I'm trying to do in the collection of poems as well. For me, those are very interesting human emotions because they seem opposite, but they oscillate together. And they're very symbiotic at times, you know, this deep loss when we lose a loved one um, is so very much tied to how deeply we love them. Um, and I think, you know, some of the poems in the collection are about a friend who I lost uh, 
uh, in university at a similar age of the character in the novel and how profound that was and how affecting that was at that age where you feel young and invincible and the light and life is just electric and will go on forever and actually when you are faced with the reality that actually that is not the case we will all die someday and some of us will die much younger than 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 others than we should or than or than we think anyone should um so yeah, that uh, that novel before we forget um, is uh, yeah I, I'm very excited about it. I think through the re the revision process of working away towards sort of the final version, I want to tell a lot of it has been informed by quite uh, truthfully by my poetic practice of really sort of thinking about each line. How is you know the the economy of language. How can you be descriptive? How can you use description and metaphor? You know, I think something throughout the collection or throughout the novel as well as this idea of color and, 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 and what is, you know, it's set in both Mexico and upstate New York. Um, and so to describe what does a wintry landscape look like when you see like a very blue sunny sky against like ice white when you're sort of three feet deep in snow trying to walk, you know, to class. Um, again, you know, it's based on some experiences of, uh, that I had uh, whilst in university. And, it, you know, I like just thinking about your earlier question, you know, color has really helped me revisit. What was it like to go to school near the Canadian border and get through winter? And yes, it was cold, but also there was something very brilliant about a winter's day when you're just walking in sunshine, but you're like in a snowsuit, you know, trudging through snow and those colors that are so evocative. And then to try to describe where my family comes from in Mexico on my mother's side, you know, really using the color of the desert uh, uh, where they are from in the north of Mexico and just um, really, yeah, thinking of very sensuous elements, I think has really come about by how I've approached the poems in this collection. Well, I cannot wait to read that, I have to say. And thanks so much, Andreas, for talking to me about at least this I know and your work. And it's published now, isn't it? It's out now with 404 Inc. Is that right? Yes, yes, it is available to buy directly from 404 Inc. or any numerous great uh, independent bookshops around Scotland uh, or, you know, bigger ones like Waterstones, if you fancy. Um, but yes, uh, and I hope that people, you know, feel uh, encouraged to sort of spend time, more time with my work. Well, I hope so as well. They would certainly benefit from it. Thanks again. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. <laughs>